0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, March 21st, 2008. I'm Caleb Brown. Vast libraries have found their way online, but government has not kept pace with innovation in making its data available. In this week, Sunshine Week, journalists and other fans of open access celebrate government transparency. Jerry Brito with the Mercatus Center, writing in Regulation Magazine, says that expanded transparency should exist, not for its own sake, but for the sake of expanded government accountability. We spoke last week. I think the reason that government doesn't put data online uh,
1: has to, has two components. One is ignorance, and one is corruption. Um, I think the ignorance part is the majority of it, maybe 90% of, of the reason why. And I think they just, uh, you know, government does not have a history of dealing with technology very well. They usually come late to the party. So I think that's a that's main component. The other component, I think, is a little bit of... Maybe not corruption per se, but hiding something. And you can take the example of the Senate website. Uh, The Senate website, there's you cannot go anywhere on the Senate website and see uh, all of your uh, of a a particular senator's votes on every bill. Uh, And in fact, the Washington Post discovered that they had published in the past XML documents with.
0: Explain uh, what that is.
1: Well, XML is a format for displaying data, but in a structured format. And what this means is, is that you can take the data and recombine it in any number of ways. So you can see how a particular senator has voted uh, you know, just by senator, or you can see how all Republicans have voted, or you, or you can mix and match. It's sort of like an Excel spreadsheet where you can sort by any column uh, or any row. Uh, so that's what XML is. And the Washington Post was building a database of congressional votes and needed this sort of information. And they found that the Senate uh, website had published for previous years some of this XML data, so they were thrilled that they wouldn't didn't have to build this themselves. And so uh, a reporter there called who was working on this website called the Senate Webmaster, and said, um, oh, it was just terrific. We saw that you had this for previous years. Where is the rest of it? Where can we find, you know, the current uh, data?" And the Senate Webmaster's response was, "Oh, you know, I've been meaning to take that down. Uh, the whatever Rules Committee it is that that handles this has voted twice already to prohibit." the Senate webmaster, from publishing the data in XML. And I actually saw an email from the Senate webmaster that says, that says um, said to the reporter, as you know, it is a senator's right to present his voting record to his constituents as he sees fit, as he sees fit which is insane. There is no such right of a senator to do that. Uh, so I think that's where the, the, the um, hiding or occulting component comes in.
0: And aside from corruption, there is the issue of it being a big hassle to deal with people who've kind of got you nailed dead to rights using information that you've you've provided to them.
1: Right. Absolutely. I mean, the reason you want information out there, the reason for wanting transparency is not for the sake of transparency. It is to attain accountability. You want people who have a right to know something. In this case, voters have a right to know what their representatives are doing and taxpayers have a right to know what is being done with their money. Uh, so that they can hold accountable the next election, those people, and that's why you need transparency. So of course, uh, it's a cat and mouse game where those folks probably don't have uh, the best incentives to release that information.
0: And when the government does put it in, put information like that online, it's not often terribly useful. I can remember when the Kentucky General Assembly finally took the step of posting its votes online. All they did was take a piece of paper with the votes on it, (laughs) take a picture of it, and post that picture online.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, the FCC is an agency that I like to use sort of as a whipping horse because it's an agency that I'm very familiar with, and it's an agency that you would imagine would be uh, uh, tech-savvy, right? It's uh, constituents, right, and it's uh, commissioners and and staff you think would be tech-savvy, especially since the C in FCC stands for communications. Uh, What you find at their website, though, is... It's it's really unusable unless you are maybe a lobbyist or an academic researcher. Uh, you're not going to be able to to, to uh, navigate it very well. So if you are a mom in California and you have a couple of kids who like to play video games and you read in the paper that the FCC is considering regulating video game content and you want to read about what the proposed regulation is, maybe add your own comment, uh, what do you do? You go to the FCC website and you go to the section where you can search for regulations and you're presented with this archaic set of fields, none of which is a box where you can type in video games and do a full-text search because the FCC website and many other websites across the government, ought to, none of them offer uh, full-text search. So that's one thing. Number two, even if they were to offer full-text search, it might not be useful. Why is it? Because the FCC publishes PDFs that... <laughs> The FCC publishes PDFs that are not searchable in many cases. What does this mean? If you've ever used a PDF, you'll know that there's two types of PDFs. In many many times, one is the kind of you can cut and paste from, so that means that the text is searchable. And the other is a type of PDF that's an image, and images can't be searched. So in many cases, documents that the government publishes are just like you said with Kentucky, their images are not searchable. And even worse than that, the FCC has, and I'm gonna get a little technical here. Uh, has set their robots.txt file so that it's not searchable. What does that mean? To make it very simple, every website has a switch that you can flip and you can tell Google and Yahoo and MSN Live and all the other commercial search engines, don't search me. Don't include the pages in my website in your database so that when the user types in a
0: query, it matches up. We don't want to be included. What's the FCC's public rationale for doing that?
1: You know, uh, I think if you asked them, they would tell you that the 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 load that Google uh, scraping would pose on their servers would be too high. Uh, so I think this this is uh, sort of where the IT guy um, uh, made that decision, and I haven't had a chance to uh, take it up with uh, with one of the commissioners. But.
0: Let's assume that. All governments across the United States see the light and decide this is all information, all this data. We really need to put it online because we want as many eyeballs as possible looking at it. Give me some examples of where that has taken us already in terms of the ability of using this data. Right.
1: Well, the first thing I'll point out is that when government doesn't provide this data online, you have a lot of private third parties that will do it nonetheless. And the way that they do it is that they send little robots out to crawl, government websites and and take that information, put it into private databases. So you have govtrack.us or the Washington Post has an excellent congressional votes database. And these provide access to the sort of congressional data that Congress itself is not providing. They're they're having to spend money to recreate this. Uh, You have the Washington Post taking uh, financial disclosure forms from all of the members of Congress. And, And how do they do that? They send interns down to the Hill into a basement to request these documents, make a photocopy, bring them back to the Washington Post, and scan them, and then put them up on the on the on the database. Something that the government could do a lot cheaply. So once this information is is in these private databases, we've seen fantastic uses of them. You have something called Maplight.org, uh, which is a website that basically mashes, and that, that's sort of a, a, a neologism uh, for taking two data feeds and putting them together. And what it does is that it mashes. Uh, congressional voting records from GovTrack.us and uh, uh, campaign finance information from OpenSecrets.org, which gets its information in turn from the FEC. And it's an amazing website that I would recommend anybody to, to go see. Um, it matches congressional votes with campaign finance, with sorry, with with uh, with uh, donations to a campaign. And you can see those on a timeline and see how they match up. And, and it uh, Color codes them by whether the senator voted for or against, or the congressperson voted for or against the bill, and whether the donor was for or against the bill. And it's amazing to see the sort of patterns that emerge. Uh, so it's an amazing tool for reporters, for researchers, and just for people who want to know what uh, what Congress is up to.
0: One might expect that, by virtue of the fact that these third parties are taking this data that's not convenient, making it convenient, and putting it online, would have some impact on an agency's decision to present that data to the public. Right. Well, you know, it's funny because I
1: think the reaction I get a lot of times when I talk about this from agencies and from government officials is, well, if it's already being done, if third parties are already doing it, why should we bother? And and there's two reasons, I think. Number one is data integrity. When you're talking about lots of data that these uh, third parties are having to recreate to piece together by sending out crawlers, by sending out interns to make photocopies, uh, it's it's not going to come back. 100%. 100%. It's, it's pretty reliable. you know. Maybe it's 98% correct. but When you're talking about campaign finance data, you might want it to be 100%. And so the government, if it has it already in a digital uh, format, can just put it right up. And number two is the cost. This is very costly for these third parties. It'd be a lot cheaper if the government could just put the original uh, up. And the third parties could then maybe use those resources to do interesting things like mashes, uh like maplight.org. Um, you would expect that if this data is out there, Government would be more accountable. At the very least, you if uh, a Senator knows that a constituent can subscribe to his voting record or that they can search for government contracts uh, that were uh, put in an appropriations bill by him or by her, you would expect them that if they have that knowledge that this is easily searchable, they will at least think twice before they do anything too outrageous. So that is
0: ultimately the goal of getting information out there is to is to make government more accountable. Jerry Brito is with the Mercatus Center. You can read his article on transparency in the winter edition of Cato's Regulation Magazine, available for download at cato.org.